Hi, you're listening to Kate and Catherine. And we're going to show you how to find your Prince Charming so that you can finally live happily ever after <laughs> forever and ever. No. No. <laughs> no. We are definitely not going to do that. We are sick of that story and it's a lie. It is a lie. You're listening to The New Truth, a modern woman's guide to extraordinary love. We are going to show you how the fairy tale love story stops you from experiencing the love you truly desire. Listen to hear how to break free from sacrifice and struggle in relationship. And learn the new truth about love in a way that you've never heard it before. We're so happy you're here. Keep listening. Hello, beautiful. Welcome back to the New Truth Podcast, episode 144. Um, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to set a little context again and let you know who I'm having a conversation with. This week, we, or I interviewed, Catherine, of course, is still have, hanging out with her baby, but she'll be back very soon. Um, I interview a powerful coach by the name of Robin Clark. And if you haven't heard of Robin Clark yet, head over to her link on Instagram. Love Robin Clark is her Instagram handle. And she is an advocate for women. She's a stand for women breaking free from patriarchy, good girl conditioning, who were taught to be, um, you know, being disempowered around love. Everything she stands for is really so aligned with the new truth and the core of this podcast. She helps liberate women around love so they can actually love from a, a whole empowered place within themselves rather than, um, you know, the usual fantasy fairy tale, um, small place that women love from. So check her Instagram out. She does lots of, um, she has lots of content all around codependency and breaking free from patriarchy in relationship and actually becoming empowered around love. She's a coach. She's a woman's advocate. She is incredible. Um, I'll just read one of her quotes from Instagram. Most women aren't asking for too much. They're not asking for enough. She is a powerhouse. This episode is so fire. You're going to love her. I'm so excited. Let us know how you feel afterwards, how the episode goes. Of course, share it with all your friends and um, enjoy the episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the New Truth Podcast, episode 144, how to be in your power when you're dating. Ain't this a hot topic? And today we have a, I'd say the expert on how to be in your power when dating and how to break all the ridiculous patterns that women have been showing up in, in relationships for many centuries. Um, we have with us Robin Clark. I've already shared about her, but Robin, so, so happy to have you here and so excited to jam out with you today. Yay. I'm really happy to be here as well. Robin and I just met a few weeks ago and uh, she's my long lost soulmate. She's part of my soulmate collective. This is a new term I, I came up with last week. She's part of the collection of soulmates from around the world, but we have very similar souls and I'm so freaking happy to have you in my life and on this podcast and to get to know you more and hear all your stories today. So where would you say we start with a woman being like, what do you see? Actually, maybe we should start with how do you see women not being in their power when dating? Let's start there. That's a good place to start. <clears throat> well, we could start really zoomed out, which is that we live in patriarchy. And it's this interesting thing that we're all in and yet 
Like we never hear the word spoken. None of us learned about it in school, probably Mm. hard to describe. You know, it's, it's a little bit of a mystery, but we all know what it is to have been told that we should be good girls. And so of course, boys experience their own real challenge with this, but we'll just stay on our side of the street, which is that girls are taught that the most important thing you can be is to be whoever people are comfortable with you being. Mm. We're not taught to be our authentic selves. We're taught that security and home exists in other people's approval and that we should shape shift into being whoever they are comfortable with us being. And so it has us throughout our lives, looking to other people to give us cues about who we should be rather than showing up as our genuine and authentic selves and asking ourselves, do I enjoy this person? Is this healthy for me? And so when we you know, fast forward a couple decades of this training in school and at home and your friends' houses and your grandma and watching movies and songs and everything that reinforces this, and here you are dating, it's really hard to just like flip the switch. And instead we go into dates being like, does he like me? What do I need to do to get him to like me? And right off the bat, we're giving our power away. And that's how it starts. You know, I think women, like I remember back to operating this, this uh, frequency. And I think that, you know, I remember back in the day, day I used to, even guys I didn't like, I would still want them to like me for the validation. So (laughs) I would still like do the thing, contort myself or like try and get the, to, to get the validation or the approval. It's like, it's crazy. It's, it's not even attached to it just being someone you like. Right. It could just be anyone for any reason. And I think, you know, there's a deeper, I mean, you could, you could explore that on many levels, but I think one level that's important to talk about is that, you know, historically, it's not that long ago that women were like property. Yeah. And so having people like you is a survival strategy. And it's very, very deeply rooted in our psyches that safety and approval are linked. Um, When many of us were growing up and our parents weren't pleased with us, we often felt like love was being pulled away from us. Many, because that had been what had been modeled to them and their parents before them, like the modeling of, I can be um, displeased with you and also still be here with you creating security is not necessarily what women grew up experiencing. And so we go out into our lives projecting this onto our environment and there's good reasons to be doing so. And we're like, hey, getting them to like me creates safety. It makes me feel more secure. So I'm kind of always going around making sure people are like pleased with me or think I'm cute or helpful or smart or whatever that person's way of operating is. And it's like meeting this deep need of security. Oh, that validates me. But like, what does the validation give us? Security. Anxiety. It's like it does the, <laughs> the absence of it is anxiety, right? Yeah, totally. exactly. Because then yes. we're constantly because it, it's it's only so momentarily that we feel better. Like, oh, okay, they validated me. He texted me back, or that person I got the job, or whatever the, the thing is. And then it's chasing the next thing, the next thing. So it actually creates the opposite of safety. But that part of us thinks it's getting us to a safe place. And, right. 
I just, okay. So let's, let's rewind a little bit. I would love to, if you could unpack your, cause I know there's women listening, the word the words like patriarchy get thrown around so much. And I think that it's a relatively new concept for the exact reasons that you shared. So what's your perception or how would you define it for a woman who doesn't really understand or know it exists? Well, I'll tell you how I learned it. Um, ah. And I'll just walk you into that. So Perfect. You know, I had studied psychology in school. I had worked in a battered women's shelter. I went to grad school to be a therapist. I left and chose not that path. I studied women's studies. I was looking, you mm. know, like I was digging around in my twenties. I was looking for something and I was like knocking on all these doors and I never heard this word. Or if I did, it was said in such an unimpressive manner. It made no impression on me. Right. It wasn't until my late thirties after I'd been working with women for a long time. And I was in a therapy session, a couples therapy session. And the woman offered us this book, How Can I Get Through to You by Terry Real. And I read it like the most gripping romance novel I'd ever read, but it's not a romance novel. What he's talking about is gender socialization. He's talking about how women are trained to be submissive and accommodating. And men are taught to be um, manly, strong, tough, you know, so women are essentially are like disowning our voice and our needs and our agency and our will. And men are disowning their emotionality, vulnerability, and intuition. And you get two people that have had this socialization done to them from day one. They're just born into it because their parents have been born into it and their parents and your teachers and your friends' parents. It's like, everyone's born into this thing. This is what a nice woman is. This is what a boy is like, you know, <clears throat> you get two people that have this conditioning into a relationship and there's almost like no possibility for intimacy. Now I can like hear people who like patriarchy being like, no, no, I'm in a relationship just like that. And it works great. Hey, and if it does like, Parity. that's great. That's awesome. But for people that are wanting to feel more whole, and for women are like, why can't I get through to my partner? Like he won't hear me. And men are, that are like, uh, I wish he just stopped complaining. Like I'm fine. My only thing I'm unhappy about is that she's unhappy with me. Like that entire repeated, like every single person listening to this right now is like, yep, that's my relationships or I've been there. That's like the lived personal experience of patriarchy. We could talk about like big systems, but that comes later. I think that what made the impression on me was like, oh, this is the thing that's been defining my whole life. It's my entire childhood. I always been talking around this thing. I could never put my finger on this thing, but I, it was pissing me off the whole time. Yeah. And I would get mad about it and I would try to fight against it, but I couldn't name it. It was every relationship. It was every one of my friend's relationships. It had been all this work I had done around boundaries and self-assertion, but I never had the words for like, why is that so ridiculously hard, especially for women? Yeah. And so when I learned this word, you know, basically just like, it's like in the matrix when they're like load the jump program. It's like reading that book was like, and then I just went and like devoured his work and then bell hooks work. And I was like, Oh, it like was like a key that unlocked the door that helped me understand. Okay. Well, this is the personal effect of patriarchy. It's my own inability to not just verbally stand up for myself, but like with my actions, stand up for myself, to put myself first, to not be looking for someone to save me in some damsel in distress kind of way, but like ask who, 
who do I feel met by? What's healthy for me? And that somehow in my late thirties, these were revolutionary ideas that I had been given lip service to, but I didn't know how to put into action. And that's what knowing what patriarchy did for me. Yes. And the, you know, the irony, this is, yeah, this is wild. I had a friend challenge me this weekend, a male friend say that it doesn't exist anymore. Mm. And I know a lot of people hold this perspective because so much change has happened. And my friend's boyfriend at home used to argue with me. And every time a man would say this to me, I'd get so mad. I couldn't even talk to them. I just shut down. And I, cause I'm like, how, what you can't even, of course, men are a product of patriarchy too. Like you said, like we're both conditioned into the roles and I think women get the shitty end of the stick in terms of the role. Of course, there's, there's definitely trauma on both sides, but this podcast is, we love you, men. I know there's a few men out there that are listening, but, um, but but the thing is the system has changed externally, astronomically. Absolutely. Women have rights. We're people now we get to vote. We get to, we get to have bank accounts. We get to have credit cards, get to quote unquote. Um, we, the world externally has come a long way. It's still, there's still a long way to go, but I believe that phase one, we absolutely have to identify that it exists. Like you said, it's like, you can feel this thing in the air and you're like, wait, something's off why is this thing off? I can't quite figure it out. And deeply knowing and understanding the thing that's there running under the surface is essential. And then it's our job once we know it exists to dismantle it within ourselves, which is what your work is, which is what the new truth podcast is, is like learning how we contribute to it. Like by continuously playing the good girl, by being the nice one, by being the one who's considerate of everybody else, but self, we keep it alive. The only way that we heal the family patterns, like you said, like grandma and aunt and mom and all the, all the people in your, all the influencers in your life and the women who pass down what women are to be inside of patriarchy, you by being here and by learning how to dismantle these ways of being in your own life, get to completely heal and transform this and for generations to come. And that's how we evolve. And that's how I feel like, you know, with feminism, the first several waves were breaking the external. And of course we had to access parts of ourselves internally to do that, but it was a lot about changing the systems outside. And now it's like, really about doing the deeper work and changing the systems inside. Right. And you know, when you say changing the systems inside, I can imagine if you had, okay, if you had been sitting down with me when I was say 35 and 45, so 10 years ago, then like, we got to change the system inside. I would have looked at you and been like, uh, you know, I would imagine that you were like pulling out the game operation and like asking me to like pull out something from inside. And I would have been like, uh, what, what, like, <laughs> the fuck is this like there's no so chance what is that? <laughs> like, no way like how do you even yeah. do that and I think yes. so it can seem sort of um vague but it's yes. really specific so there's very actionable ways and you know we're here to talk about dating but before we even get to the point that you're swiping on tinder or whatever there's like a little like work that could get done first to start pushing the dominoes towards how do you own your power when dating i.e how do you own your power when you're interacting with other people Um, and the first is really, really practicing using your voice, you know, dismantling the system is to stop looking to other people to tell you what to say and instead say what you need to say. Um, and the next level would be like, and make, and have your actions and your words match. So one of the gifts that was given to me by my mom is she really is very outspoken. Oh my God, that woman speaks, 
you know, like, wow, very confrontational. She will let people know what she thinks. And I grew up watching that and, you know, <laughs> sometimes intense, but really a gift. Cause I got to see what it was like to have a woman who's like, you're not going to push me around, you know, like, I was like, all right. And my whole life, I've been someone that embodied that, um, in seventh grade, when they did that, like end of the year, you, who are you most likely to be? kind of like thing mine went completely off script and my mine was you always know where you stand with Robin and I was like what the fuck? What? what is this you know so I've always had this quality but the thing that was missing that I really got in my 30s was telling someone they're not treating me well or saying I would like to change doesn't mean anything if my actions don't match that if I'm saying you're not treating me well and I stay mm. I'm not quite saying this isn't okay. I'm saying I'd prefer that you change and they're saying I'm not going to, right? Or, and it could be anything. It could be a work situation, dating, friends, family, whoever. Like I needed to learn how to get my actions and my words to sync up. And so when you're talking about dismantling the system, that is sort of how you dismantle the system. Um, it's ceasing to be a pleasing, good girl who considers everyone else besides yourself. And just the every moment to moment, everyday practice of doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That question that I hear my clients say over and over again, when we first start working together, like, but I, I was worried about like, what would they, what would people think about me? If I did that thing, what would people think about me? If I like that question, burn it to the ground, <laughs> like that, to the ground. that is, that is no longer your, your GPS. What will people think of me? Because that means your whole entire life, and this is a product of patriarchy, your whole entire life is based on other people's perception of you. And guess what? Everyone else is worried about other people's perception of them. So no one else even really cares. Like, and even if they do and they're thinking and they're judging you, it's just a reflection of themselves anyway. So that like, I feel like that public persona or that, that, that way we, that, that part of ourselves that really our ego self is when we're so concerned about everyone else approving of us or the good girl, everyone else approving of us, everyone else liking what we're doing, believing what we're, but when you're following your own soul, people aren't going to get it because most people aren't living from that place. When you're following your own truth and saying yes to what you want to do. And when that thought pops up, what are other people going to think about me? You say, oh, cute. Actually, they can think whatever they want. It's none of my business. That was one of my favorite. I can't remember who told me that a coach years ago. Like when you have the thought, what are people going to think about me? You say, it's none of my business. Right. And how many of us grew up listening to our parents be like, well, what, what will they think? Well, yeah. And that was like the punchline yes. for like everything. You know, you wanted right. to wear something offbeat to school and they're right. like, what will they think? It's like, how many times did you hear that and have that yeah. echoed, you know, when you're sitting in your friend's station wagon as their parents are, you know, like, take that hat off, do, you know, just like, what will they think? It's like this echo that comes from this history of people's approval is where one's safety comes from. Yeah. So I think there's kind of like, you know, in the monkey bars, you know, you got to grab onto something before you let go. I mm. can think, I think sometimes there can be kind of like a spiritual bypassy thing where people are like, well, it's not my business. And that's true. Yes. But there's, I feel like there's a piece before that, that people have to like grab on before that can be like, just not just a thought, but a thing you yeah, can you live by. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. which is you have to do some work to learn how to be your own source of security. Mm. You know, if you imagine like, um, like little trees that have those bars next to them that help them stay a put, you know, in wind for the first few years they're growing, like we need support. 
we need things that are holding us that give us like a really secure connection, whether it's therapy, coaching, women's group, 12 step programs, all of it, um, you know, whatever you have available and resonates for you, that gives you that sense of consistency and security that you can start integrating and like helping to feel held so that then as you go out into the world, you do feel more resourced to be like have thicker skin. And you can't just tell someone have thicker skin. Like you have to like build that. For right? sure. and, and as you build that, then it actually becomes much easier. You know, when people lob their judgments at you or disapproval, it's like, wow. So that's what you think. Okay. But to get there, you have to like fortify that. And so I think, you know, part of being in our power in dating and power in all relationships is doing the work to feel more internally held, more secure. If we want to go psychology, it'd be differentiated. You know, it's, it's all the same kind of thing, which just means like you have a solid sense of home inside yourself with some like nice thick walls and doors you can open and close as you want to let things in and out. But like, you feel really solid. That's the fruit of some work, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. But I think what women are told is that, you know, don't worry your pretty little head over that. You should just get a man to come. And if you can just get a man to come and he's grounded, he'll save you from all that anyhow. And you don't have to grow up. You can just trust him to like be your stability. And man, is that a setup for a lot of like treacherous situations, you know? Yeah. Never, never will. Even, even a good man, even a solid man, it'll never feel safe because you cannot rely a hundred percent on another person ever. Like it's just, that is not, it's not a plan. It's not a good game plan. You have to have, you know, there's so many, there's so many pillars that need to be in place in order for you to feel secure within yourself. So when you say do the work, like for you, let's just talk a little bit about your journey. Sure. Um, so for you with dating, dating before you had done the work. <laughs> yes. awesome take uh-huh. us there take us there and then Back you know in the day after and and like what were the what were the pivotal things that supported you to feel that security inside okay so back in the day let's call it like the first 20 years of my dating i met the majority of the people i dated on dance floors Um, (laughs) my big criteria were, are you cute? Do we have good chemistry? Is this fun? Do I enjoy talking to you? Do we laugh a lot? Do I look forward to seeing you? I mean, that's all nice. I, I still think some of, you know, that's good, but it's missing all the foundational questions that, um, you know, I learned, you know, if you think about, if you were to like make a list of why your last, you know, any relationship you're in ended. It's telling you, oh, that's one of those foundational pieces you ignored or didn't know even to think about, right? And so over time I learned, hey, values need to align. You know, I have a really intense value around um, not just honesty, but transparency. If Mm -hmm. I have to like go and pull the truth out of people, that's not honesty. They need to be forthright. Do you have to expose yourself? No, but like in situations where it's like, yo, put the cards on the table, put them on the table lead with honesty and the care that comes from honesty. It's just a very strong, you know, priority for me, but maybe someone else's core, you know, lead value is freedom. And they're just like, Hey, I just want to do what I want to do. And that's perfectly fine that that's their core value, core lived value. 
you know, there's the values we think we have and there's what we actually live. Right. Um, Fantasy values. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so if my, you know, core value is this honesty and theirs is freedom and we don't have agreements around how to meet in the middle. Well, I learned very much so that those, those two leading values didn't go well. And so, oh, that, that's a relationship where I learned like, oh, that's something I really need to assess in people. You can't make people have different values than they do. If it isn't totally aligned, we can create agreements, but only to a point, like people can't leave their authentic selves to make something work for someone else. Yeah. You know, it's like every relationship I, taught sure. me something yes. that doesn't mean I integrated it right away. It's almost just like I was in a um, turnstile for 20 years of just experimenting and experimenting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like don't turn the person who's like, where you have a super hot connection doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be your boyfriend. Yes. Yes. This is not necessarily the ingredients for a healthy relationship often isn't <laughs> right. You know, so this went on until I, I really think there is like this clock that goes off in women generally sometime in their late thirties or early forties. And it's like enough. It's like some part, it's like, um, I almost imagine like someone who's been like walking a dog and lets the leash go out really, really far. So you can go experience all the things. And then it like clicks it off and it starts retracting the leash. It's like, no, okay. You've had enough of that time to do some integration time to change. This isn't leading you the direction you need to go. And, um, you know, often that happens through health issues, divorce, cheating, just profound dissatisfaction and frustration. Something happens where it's like an impetus for you to like change. And that's basically what happened for me. And where I made a really big pivot of like, oh, I'm not really asking people for what I need. I'm not even clear about what I need. What even is acceptable behavior? I didn't realize how one-sided my relationships were, how I was like giving so much more than I was receiving because I had been raised that that's just what women do. Right. But my body was screaming at me, well, that's not what you're going to do. You know, like things need to be reciprocal. And so I started going on a path of therapy, massive reading, uh, and beginning to work through codependence, which I was rampantly codependent. And I didn't even know it because I was just doing what I'd been taught and like learning how to be more self-prioritized, asking for what I need really hearing what people were saying to me in terms of what they're available for, rather than trying to get them to like change, to make something work and being like, Hey, what you need and what I need doesn't fit anymore. Like, okay, we're going to cross, you know, we're going to part ways now and accepting that. And like really going through a big shift around leaving the world of being a woman who's there for everyone. And like, trying to make things work and giving someone a second, a fourth, a 10th chance, you know, like hanging in there, kind of seeing myself as like, you know, as such an emotional over-functioner, like being like a branch that like birds can come and go from rather than like, Hey, like I want to feel met here Mm -hmm. and like shifting to like, Hey, relationships need to be based on reciprocity, mutuality, values alignment. We want the same kind of relationship. Um, whether it's, you know, the big conversation of like monogamy or open, but more in like a Stan Tatkin way of thinking would be like, well, do you want a relationship that's secure where we're like really um, transparent, shared teammates who are really emotionally here for each other? Like, if that's the kind of relationship you want, you need to talk about that with people because lots of people don't want that at all. 
-hmm. or like they kind of do, but only to the extent that you're there for them. They don't actually want or even know how to really be there for you. Like all this stuff has to sync up for it to be like, yeah, this is really healthy and right for me. And that is like eight years of like deep inner work to kind of like go from it, not just saying that stuff, but practice to practice to practice to making it be like a lived way of operating. Yes. Yeah. It's not like an intellectual process where you just make a list and then you, it's deeply understanding yourself. And, um, and like you said, the support system and being able to really know who you are. And I think that, you know, what I've noticed over the years is that often women think, you know, they learn, okay, I need to know what my values are and I need to have them aligned in relationship. But when you're dating, you can stand in your values and hold them, but you can't know someone else's values until you get to know them. Because guess what? A lot of people are good at saying who they are, <laughs> but it often doesn't match who they really are. And so that's like knowing if values are aligned, you can only tell that over time. Like, for example, one of mine is um, health. And I know that because in so many relationships, so in my 20s, Every time I dated a guy that was a smoker or that was like a, I mean, in my, in my early twenties, that was always a no, but in my later twenties and early thirties partying and that kind of stuff was not for me, or even someone who ate a lot of fast food or like, cause especially the, the older I get, the more health conscious I get. And I knew it was a value because every time I got into relationship, if someone didn't, if I wasn't met in that way, like they didn't, they don't have to care about their health in the exact same way that I do. But if they don't care about their health, eventually I will try and change them and I'll try and make them better and make them care about their health. And I even dated someone who I, I realized health wasn't a top priority for him if, about maybe two months in and I asked him about it and he's like, no, I really care about my health. It's really important to me. But then over a few years, it's like, well, you like, there were so many things that were out of alignment and I could see that part of me like feeling like I wanted to change him so I could feel like I was met in this because it matters so much to me. And, um, and, and that's, that's like one of the biggest tells is like the thing that you try and change about someone to make them more like you. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. I resonate. Health isn't my greatest value, but that entire pattern. Oh yeah. I can got like a black belt degree on that. Like, Ooh, <laughs> but one of my thoughts about that whole approach of like, someone's, t- someone's telling you who they are. And instead of us listening yes, and just being like, does this fit? And then we're over there trying to change them. I think I'll speak for myself when I was doing that. And when I do that, what I'm not really trying to change them. I'm trying to save myself from feeling alone because my intuition's already telling me this isn't right. That's why I'm not that the whole thing may not be right, but this part of the dynamic is like not working. I'm trying to change them because I'm trying to keep them there. And I'm trying to keep them there because I'm afraid of the loss. And I'm afraid of the loss because I'm afraid of being alone. And I'm afraid of alone because I don't know how to hold myself. Yeah. So if I like really back up, why am I engaging in this caretaking let's be honest, intrusive and codependent behavior of managing someone and trying to get them to not be who they are. Yes. I frankly don't like being on the receiving ends, but yet here I am doing it. It's like the dominoes go back to just like, huh, well, I need to accept what's going on here and just let it be what it is. Like, let it sit heavy and then see what the truth is. is I let that be there and our two truths 
just kind of are next to each other and like what then happens rather than me getting in there and managing it. Yes. Man, I just did not know how to do that until I had done it about 300,000 times and could be like, okay, I can let it be what it is and walk away if I need to, you know? Yeah. So if you were to boil it down and imagine a woman that was dating, like, so what, what did shift for you and are there tangible things that, um, that, that a woman can do right now to shift out of being powerless when dating to being in power. Okay. Step one, I think is, you know, when you're, I'm just going to say swipe Tinder, like, however, we're going about looking for dating, but generally it's online though. I love an in-person moment happened one last week. It was great. I'm like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm in the nineties. Um, <laughs> grocery store. We it was the grocery store. It was. Aisle. <laughs> was it was. Aisle. <laughs> I was standing was in front of the tuna fish cans, <laughs> getting tuna from my cat. <laughs> this guy came up. <laughs> that is amazing. Right. Sick. Um, did you go on a date? Honestly, his follow-up text was really bad. Oh, so it didn't, I didn't, I'm not following through. He put it, he basically put it in my court to like mm-hmm. figure out what to do rather than just being like, Hey, do you want to meet for a glass of wine or whatever? And I was like, right. David, I'm not doing that with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I'm not doing that with you. If you couldn't no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not RSV. That's how to date from your power. It's not like, a correct how invitation. does this feel? Not good. Yeah. yeah not good. Totally. Yeah. So before you even get into that zone, you have to get into the zone of, I am not looking for someone to like me. I am looking to find someone I truly enjoy being around. It is their business, whether they like me or not. Like I'm going to show up as my authentic self. I have a profile that says what I'm actually about. I have photos that are not just me looking hot, but like me also living my life. Yes. You know, like I'm showing up as like an actual person, not a commodity. Yes. And I'm my intention here is to find someone who I genuinely enjoy being with and that it's reciprocal. Yes. Okay. So start one with intention because that's not the thing of like FOMO. I'm lonely. Someone's going to make my life better. It's already a setup for like, I need them to give me something that I already feel empty with. And this is gender conditioning. You know, where women are taught that your life begins when a man chooses you. And that is so disempowering a life. You know, your life starts when you belong to yourself, not when someone else chooses you, like you choose you. Yes. I wonder the percentage of just, as you're describing that, I felt a little bit nauseous and then I was just picturing, (laughs) (laughs) I was just picturing, I wonder the percentage of men in the world that are sitting at home right now that are single that are like, I'm lonely. (laughs) I just want to be chosen. Like, where is she? You know, of course there are some men that are at that place for sure. But I just wonder the percentage (laughs) compared to women. I'm going to just go on on a limb and guess that it's a lot less than whatever their motivation, what they're thinking is different. It isn't like, Oh my God, my life's not going to begin until someone chooses me. Like that's not. But like, that is kind of what women are thinking because we have been trained from day one to think that Yeah. when you're in middle school and like romances start, how many of us were asked, well, does he like you rather than do you like him? Well, what do you like about him? And like beginning to teach, you know, young girls, some critical thinking skills about like, well, he's kind while he treats my friends well. Well, he doesn't hang out with those like mean boys. 
you know, like he's sweet. Like we laugh, okay, like just basic stuff that would be important to begin thinking about. Yeah. Um, we're not asked those questions. <clears throat> okay, so, you know, fast forward to adult dating. It's like intention, intention makes a difference. You know, and we have to be where we're at. If, you know, if you're like, oh my God, that, that sounds all nice, but that's not where I'm at. Where I'm at is I feel really lonely and I just want someone. It's like, okay, but like, imagine that part of you, like a little koala that's looking for a treat or latch onto, <laughs> you know, and maybe you're going to need to do some work about learning how to reparent and hold that part of you rather than just thinking that someone's going to come along and indiscriminately be like the perfect tree to latch onto. Like we can get really confused when that part of us takes over, you know? Yes. And, and in, in relationship, like all relational dynamics, one person and and this switches often at different times and different, maybe even different areas of life, but like one person always, every relationship I've unpacked in my years of coaching always one person ends up when the patterns have taken over one person's the child or teenager and the other person's the parent, the mom or dad. And, um, that's what happens. That's when that part of us is choosing like, Oh, I want to be rescued. Okay. I want someone to come that has money. Okay. So you're basically going to be in a relationship with your dad and he's going to, and he's going to have control over you and power over you like a parent does. And he's going to tell you, you know, what you can spend the money on and whatever. And it's never going to feel good. It's these fantasies. This is where they lead. Absolutely. Without doubt. A really great thing, you know, is to sit down with women in their sixties and seventies and talk about, talk to them about their life choices. And they'll tell you like, my biggest regret is that I didn't keep my finances solid. Yes. You know, my biggest regret is that I didn't have a solid savings account before I moved in with him. My biggest regret is that we didn't talk about him doing the childcare before we had kids and that I was just expected to give up my career. And then when I wanted to go back to work, I wasn't making any money. And so I just said, fuck it. Like where that goes down the road isn't great, but mostly the issue, not only, I mean, what you're saying is true, of course, around dependency, but the greatest cost is the one we don't talk about, which is that a woman doesn't get to experience coming into her full power. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't get to grow out, out of being a maiden into being an adult woman. And then hopefully a crone, you know, mm-hmm. someone really deeply in their wisdom, like we miss that maturation process. And so wanting to someone to come along and like save you, that's patriarchy. That's the setup, you know, like a, a dependent, disempowered, but lovely looking young woman finds the white knight who's going to come and take care of her. That's the traditional patriarchal setup, you know, and if you want that, well, we already know what to do to make that happen. We all do. But if we don't want that, if we want a relationship based on equity, mutuality, that has a different goal than, than dual dependency and has a goal more of, more of sharing growth, mutual support, maturation, well, then we have to come to dating a little different. So, you know, what I was saying before about intentions, kind of where to begin, but And what you said even earlier about values, that kind of comes later, but like in between, once you're now actually interacting with someone, what's really useful is to have a clear knowledge of what your deal breakers are also Mm -hmm. said as what your core standards are. Um, If you think back, and I'm saying this to everyone listening, if you literally make a list of all your relationships and why they ended like really like deep down, 
it's telling you the things that are most important to you that weren't available in those relationships that actually are your guiding principles. Um, for myself, yeah. like boil it down to three, like don't come up with a list of 17 things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Make it's it not a checklist. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, it's like someone who's deeply committed to their own growth. Yes. Like it's, they're not doing it to get a relationship or whatever. It's like a thing they do for themselves can look a million different ways. Could be like men's group, could be therapy, could be 12 step stuff, could be anything. I don't have an attachment to how it looks, but they're doing something consistent. It's their life path. It isn't going to change. It wasn't a phase. Like it's someone who's like really growth and, and not just growth oriented at their job, but in their like soul and their psyche. Yeah. So that's core. Another one is, um, that they like women. Mm. Like they're feminists. Now they don't have to use that word though. I can't imagine someone would date me that didn't. (laughs) I'm so far in the spectrum, but like they actually like women and that they're the kind of man that will check other men. Yes. You know, they weren't like, oh, this me too thing is upsetting. They were like, I'm going to have a sit down with all of my guy friends and we need to have some real talks about like what went down and like do some accountability and growth. Like they're like that level. They like women. That makes me think of one of my best friends who I worked in his company for many, many years. And he, that's my favorite thing about him is he is absolutely the biggest feminist and he's surrounded by women, loves women, stands for women. He's a jujitsu fighter. So he's like hardcore um, and just like is such a a stand for women in the world in so many ways. And he would take, he would, um, with his, he also has an uh, IQ higher than Einstein. He would intellectually take down any man who is not that, you know, who is, who is doing the opposite. Like he's just, he's so cool. And it's, that's such a good one. I love that one. The guy, a guy that I dated recently works in the professional sports industry. Mm -hmm. And, um, he, when he saw that I had mama Gina's book, pussy, a reclamation, he was like, pussy. (laughs) And he's learning about what I do. And he was like, he was like, darling, um, this might make you upset, but I need to tell you, I (laughs) call the guys. He's like an endurance fitness coach for a soccer team, football team here. And he's like, I call the guys pussy (laughs) to motivate them. And he's like, I know it's horrible. And I was like, oh, can we change that word? Yeah. We're going to need to work on that. Yeah. yeah we're going to, we're going to switch that around. It's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Time for an upgrade, you know, and we all have stuff like that in us. We just yeah. don't know till someone tells us. Yeah. And, but it's the willingness to grow, you know, that yes, immediate willingness. where you didn't have to prod it out of him. He's self-reflected and he put it together and he's kind of calling himself out and yes, you're validating. Yeah. yeah. This needs to change. And he's like, cool, I'm going to change that. Right. Yeah. Like, yes. That's great. You know, and my third thing is that they're like emotionally mature in a way that resonates for me. And I kind of think about like all of us are, you know, a metaphor of being in school, you know, we're all just at wherever we're at, but it's someone who's like kind of in the same grade-ish. Yes. Like we're sort of like speaking the same language and it's just that there's resonance because when people are in like a vastly different grade ahead or behind, it's like speaking to someone that has a different language the words may, the words are spoken, but they don't mean the same thing. And so there's kind of like a resonance around emotional and relational maturity. That's just got to be a foundation, right? Because we're not over here teaching people basics. (laughs) We're not doing that as we already discussed in this, you know, episode codependent thing. It just don't work. 
And that teacher dynamic or parent like ends up student that's teacher, who, yeah. That's who creates student teacher, like the mom. We should talk about those women too, because that's them who attracts the man child type. Right. Oh, yeah. The women like that are in the power. In yeah, totally. The power over. So we've talked a lot about the women <laughs> who are power under, which is obviously giving your power away. Um, I'm so glad you brought you brought this up because the power over is where like there's also tons of women that listen that are power over who might think they're in their power, but then they attract man children. Right. Well, and to so, be clear, those dynamics are usually happening at the same time. Usually yes. that there's like a woman ah. who's emotionally mature with a man who's emotionally immature. Meanwhile, yeah. he knows how to make money and she doesn't. And so it's this dual dependency. Right. Both person is developmentally stunted in the core area. The other person isn't, and ah. they're both latched onto each other. Right. That has been very much my experience not in every situation, but like enough where I was like, wow, this is amazing how this thing works, you know? Um, okay. So, you know, I'm telling you mine just to give you an example and, but everyone has to think about what's most important to them because we don't all have the same values and priorities. Mm -hmm. We just don't. And like, that's fine. But when I'm on a date with someone, I'm really quickly trying to assess where they are in these three sort of realms, but without being like, clinical and gross, but just chit-chatty, but like really listening to what people say to me. Yes. Um, and you know, one thing people always talk about on dates is what do you do for work? How do you answer that? Why? <laughs> you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm a life coach for women. I help women get free from good girl, you know, or I'll say like, I'm a feminist oriented life coach. So I'm already putting one of my things that matters. Well, two of them really, I'm putting emotional growth and feminism already on the table. And then I just notice how they respond. Right. Um, and it's fascinating what then happens. Men have lots to say about feminism. They have mm-hmm. lots to say about gender socialization. Almost every single one of them will start talking about the trash that they heard growing up, be a man, all of them. They're like, oh, I hated that. And then some of them are like, you know, oh, you live in San Francisco. I'm like, well, how did they, I live in Greece? They don't know that they don't know any of these terms. Everyone here. in San Francisco knows this term. They're like, yes, yes. <laughs> well, they're from everywhere. They're from right. India and South Carolina and New Zealand. But they live and, in San Francisco. But so they, they all moved here. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's a bubble. Come date in Greece. It's a very different animal. <laughs> well, you know, and there's also like ways of saying it where they do people can't understand where I'll say like, you know, how girls are taught to be good and pleasing and guys are taught to be like manly. All of them are like, oh yes, I remember. I heard it my whole life. Don't cry. Don't be weak, be strong. You know, like we are the person you're dating that the word pussy would be like a motivating force for men to like quote man up. Yeah. That's patriarchy, right? Motivates them. Yeah. Right. So like the language is different, but the experience is the same. Yeah. And so I'm kind of putting it down and then I'm just noticing what people say. And it's really clear right away where people are at. Yeah. And what I want to offer to all the people listening is to think about what are the like two or three things where you're like, if that isn't on the table, this isn't a good fit. Yes. No judgment. Just like I already know. Yeah. It's not going to be a good fit. And to figure out what are really like gentle ways to just bring up a topic that matters to you. Yes. Um, And then listen like ears perked, notice what people tell you. Cause they do tell you every, like you cannot sit with someone for 45 minutes and just chit chat and not hear and not have them tell you their truth. They're telling you the issue is, is will you listen? And then when you listen, will you act? That's being in your power on date, you know, in dating. 
And it's like that, like date after date. And it's also kind of making a pact with yourself that you can go out with someone. Let's say you just keep having green flags and there's no red flags, amazingly. And you go on three or five or six dates, like to stay centered and not get attached to the point that you get Vaseline on your lenses. Like you have to stay sharp. You have to stay being, you have to keep being like, is this healthy for me? Like, is this working for me? How do I like the communication? Is it consistent? Does this feel healthy? Yes. Is this person in a rush? Huge red flag. Am I in yeah, a rush? Huge. Yeah. Red flag. Yeah. hundred you know? percent. It's like kind of staying like the eye of the storm. You know, you're like staying like the queen on your throne, not like, you know, a vine that's trying to wrap yourself around someone, which is sort yeah. of what you were taught to do. And I feel like even if you get as far as marrying the person, like still stay on your throne. Like this is, that's such a, it's a, such a great visual to like stay rooted in yourself, stay, which is why you need to know yourself. And I think that when I listen to you, the thing that I love the most is, you know, these are all concrete ways to know yourself when you're dating your standards, your values, your non-negotiables. And what I hear you saying is like, you're just being yourself. Like how many times I hear women saying like, Oh, I don't really want to share the spiritual side of me. Cause he might not like it. I don't want to share about my career. Cause it might. And you know, I've even had, as I'm dating, I'm like, Oh, maybe cause I've, I'm dabbling. It's it's relatively new for me still. And even as I'm dating, I'm like, oh, maybe it, maybe I've even heard the thought in my head. I don't follow or believe my thoughts, but I've had the thoughts arise of like, oh, maybe they are intimidated by what I do. And I say, I'm a relationship and love coach. And I, you know, have a business online and like the, it, maybe that is intimidating. It's like, yeah, it's going to be intimidating to someone who's not aligned with me. Like you being who you are has to be at the forefront so that you can weed out, like you don't want to be with someone who is not aligned with you. And so when you talk about things like feminism, I'm a feminist, that's going to scare the shit out of so many men. Good. Bye. Like then they're not aligned. And then you get to know versus the the good girl who's like, oh, I think I'll just save this part of myself to like 12 dates in because I don't want to frighten the person away. It's like, no, you, you want to frighten them away. Not, not by like telling them your life story and overwhelming people, but just being who you are. And again, like you said, sharing those important things so that you like right off the bat, right off the bat, so that you don't waste your freaking time. Because if these are big things about you that lots of people might not like, good, like put, put it out there. Yeah. You know, and again, like I have a really strong lived value about honesty and transparency. It's not a minor thing for me. It's yes. pretty upfront. And so I love when people just tell me whatever they're weird, unique truth is like whatever, you know, I love on a date when people just put their thing out there and it's like, doesn't mean that it's going to resonate for me, but I love that they're being dumb. And I get very concerned about people that I can see are not doing that. Yes. That they're, they're somehow like trying to get me to see something and like, okay, let's be real. We, we can act, you know, a little odd on a first date. I think that's normal. You know, people can get the jitters or if you're sitting there with someone who's very good looking and your whole like Twitter pated about the whole thing. It's like, okay, this is going to be a little harder. I get it. We can have some grace here. Go on another date, do something different. Don't just sit there, go for a walk, like do things. But we are not out here trying to get people to like us. We are here being true to ourselves, sharing the truth of who we are and noticing who we resonate with. 
Yes. In like a real deep way. Who we resonate with. Keyword. Keyword. Who we resonate. Yeah. And like the vibes are on. Like it could, I also want to say like someone could be, in my case, growth oriented, a feminist and relationally and emotionally mature. And the vibe is just not there. Yes. Like the vibes off, like their way of being in the world and mine, like doesn't sync up, but it, that's a good beginning filtration process. Yes. And so before any of you are going on dates, like do some personal investigation work so that when you're showing up, you feel fortified and you've thought about like a couple ways to bring these things up that are subtle. Yes. You're not like sitting there, like going interrogating people. You're just putting a topic on the table and just seeing where it goes. That will tell you everything you need to know. And that's fun. It reminds me of those, yeah. like, like Mark Gross has those cards that are for like relational mm, cards, mm-hmm. like a, they're like tarot cards, but they're relational cards with questions on them. It's like, that's kind of like that. It's like, cause women often ask, what do I, what kind of questions should I ask on a date? Just talk about things that matter to you and see what, see where the conversation goes. Then you get to see, do I feel met? Like if it's, if intellectual stimulation is important to you or if emotional connection is important to you, like you get to feel these things when you put topics on the table that matter to you. And then I think about, you know, the shape-shifting women that I used to be this a long time ago, like feel pressure, like, oh, I got to talk about politics or I got to talk about, you know, bo- things that didn't matter to me because they matter to someone else versus being like, oh, that's actually not something I'm super interested in. Here's what I like, here's what I love. And then see where the conversation, where you can feel met in that, not need to talk about things that don't matter to you, but find the place in the middle. Right. Also, it's not your job to make this conversation work. No. Part of what you're assessing on a date is someone's relational skill and conversation skill. And so if it, there's these big awkward pauses, it's not on you to make that work every time. Sure. Sometimes, sometimes the ball, you know, there's like a conversation ball that kind of goes back and forth. Like, sure. Sometimes you've got the ball and it's your turn to pony up, but not every time. And my experience is often that when I go on dates, men talk the whole time. Mm. They talk like 90% of the time, no joke. And so I am just, first observing that, but I'm also really listening to what they're saying. Like, wow. Yeah. You're giving me like a lot of TMI here and uh, thank you very uh-huh. much. You know what I mean? Yes. And I, 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 yeah, it's so interesting. Cause I also think that's probably because you, you talked to me earlier about the energetics of going in with, and you kind of mentioned it on here. Like I'm, I, I picture it cause just by watching your body language, obviously everyone can't see your body language, but you kind of move back and lean back. There's this, like, it feels like you're in your back body. They would say in somatic psychology where you're, you're really anchored in your body you're not leaning forward and get like, I think often women on dates, there's like this sense. And for obviously for men too, there's this sense of like, I have something to prove. Like I have to prove who I am. I have to show who I am versus like, actually when you kind of just lean, lean back can be overused, but when you just like anchor into yourself and you show up knowing who you are, which is why the research of all the things we've talked about today, like really knowing yourself and being anchored in that and knowing that this person doesn't even matter if you are attracted to them or whatever, like you're just coming with open-hearted curiosity and just like anchored and then just curious. Like that to me is Mm -hmm. what this, that's what you bring and probably why men talk so much because you're so curious. 
I am genuinely curious. However, I was at a friend's house not long ago, a couple, and the guy was like, hey, so how's dating going? And I was like, well, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. And I shared basically what I just said to you. Or no, before I did, he was like, let me guess, let me guess. He's like, you show up on a date and the men talk the entire time. He's like, I've talked to all these women. He's like, and that's just the vibe. Like men kind of don't have a, like they're missing a receptivity. Then they're missing curiosity. Mm -hmm. What they know is to sort of just bring themselves forward. And so they do. And then they don't really realize like they're taking up a lot of space. Now this of course is not everyone's experience at all. Not at all. So if this is not yours and you're like, um, I could use more of that. Yeah. You're like, where are these guys? (laughs) (laughs) it's not necessarily relational I would say it's not um but this is like a pattern and it's a thing to notice you know like if I'm on a date and having to hold up my hand so I can finish what I'm saying like this happens it's just like check please yes (laughs) but when someone shows you them who you are believe them and if you're talking the whole time like notice that too and notice like am I creating space to hear them and am I listening and like it it goes both ways like does this feel like for me emotional intimacy and that's one of my core values where I feel emotionally connected the the last guy I dated and is just like oh my gosh it just felt so equal And we talked for hours, Mm -hmm. but it was just this equal curiosity, equal conversation, uh, emotional intelligence, and it just felt easy. So I think like so often we have these ideas of what we want and then it keeps us from paying attention to like, how does it feel? Like, is it like you've got all these standards, you've got all these values, but how does it feel? Does it feel easy? Do you, are you enjoying yourself? Like all of this matters too. And I, I mean, you and I could jam out forever. I know we have to wrap up. So I just wanted to ask you your, what is your, what would you say is like the final thing that you want to leave for a woman who's out there? Maybe she's tired of dating, or maybe she's terrified of dating. Maybe she's never dating. What is like the number one key that you would say for a woman to obviously everything we already talked about, but to, uh, or the final key to a woman really being in her power when she's dating. Learn about feminism. Mm. Like read bell hooks, read Terrence real, get on YouTube, watch some things like, learn what is going on in women learn what's going on in men yes understand the dynamic that's there yeah i work with women all over the world of at least a four decade age span everybody is dealing with the same thing everybody regardless of the attachment dynamics the attachment dynamics change but the pattern kind of doesn't which is sort of odd it's kind of what's fascinating about this and the more you can learn about what is the just general kind of game that we're in Mm. and specifically how is it affecting me and what can I do to be more empowered? Information is power. You know, it really can change us and it will make you feel so much more robust and resourced and like savvy, you know, we're not taught this stuff in school for a reason. So you have to go and seek it out, but it's readily available. You know? Yeah. Cause until you know, the matrix is there and that you're in it, you can't like, how do you break free from it when it's everywhere? Like, I, I love that tip because it is the matrix and, and taking the red pill or the blue pill, which one? The blue pill? <laughs> I think it's the blue pill. Taking the blue pill. I don't know. Taking the one that wakes you up out of the matrix 
is educating yourself on like really knowing what the matrix is so that you can make new choices. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I have a phenomenal resource that you might not have heard of. A friend of mine wrote a book. She was a therapist in New York for 20 years and, uh, she wrote a book called patriarchy stress disorder. Mm. Have you heard of that? Dr. Valerie Rain at Cable. I think you mentioned to me the last time we talked. That sounds amazing. It's phenomenal. She talks about how women have these prison guards in their mind that keep them in a prison cell, which is actually invisible. And they, we constantly keep ourselves in these invisible prison walls because we, because we're a product of of a patriarchal system. And uh, it was, it was inspired by 20 years of working with women and seeing like women that were doing everything and doing the work and eating healthy and taking care of themselves and they still were like hanging by a thread and so messed up. And then she realized it was this, she, she coined the term patriarchy stress disorder. Um, and yeah, it's a phenomenal read. It's uh, you can get it on Amazon. Really, really great one. So I recommend that too. So any resources that you have definitely will, will link your Instagram love Robin Clark at love Robin Clark, um, below, but that's how you find Robin on Instagram. Her Instagram posts are fucking phenomenal you blew up so fast you're you're <laughs> writing you're writing mm-hmm. is just so like you just speak to what is and it's all about breaking free from this codependency men had you know dating men children and you know all of these red flags and dating toxic dating or you don't use that word but what it, whatever you do use <laughs> any resources that you want to share that are coming up I think that's the big one. You know, whenever I'm doing something new or putting out a new offering, I'm going to talk about it in stories probably is the place that would be most apt. You can of course get on my newsletter list. Um, All the links for all my stuff are through my Instagram page. So it's probably just the one easiest place to look Facebook. I post there, but it doesn't work. Instagram's the place. Yes. That's your jam. Instagram's my jam for sure. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for your brilliance and wisdom and, Heart and yeah, you're just doing such important work in the world and walking the fucking talk, which is the most important part. So, so happy to have you on here and so happy to know you and excited to know you more. And um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's been my pleasure. I'm so glad you were persistent in finding me <laughs> and setting this up. It's He's been lovely doctor. talking to you. Peace <laughs> <laughs> doctor for a while. Her Instagram, you'll see. You'll see. <laughs> Actually, Catherine stalked you. You'll see. Um, you'll see why when you uh, when you go to her Instagram. Like Robin is definitely a woman that you want to be following, especially if you are a woman who has landed in a lot of disempowering relational dynamics and you can't break free. I mean, it's just so your your posts are so helpful and valuable and concrete. Like just it's not just like poetry or like inspiring, but it's like, actually like, here's what's going on. Here's how to get out of it. And just, yeah. So definitely check her out. Um, Thank you so much, love. And we will see you next week. Fabulous. All right. Bye. Hi, it's Kate. Thanks so much for listening to the new truth podcast. For more of Catherine and I, come hang out with us in the New Truth Movement Facebook group. We are in there. That's where we're sharing all about our programs and our free workshops that we do. Um, You can come join us there and ask as many questions as you want about the podcast episodes, about dating, relationships, any struggles you're having out there. We would love to support you. So come hang out with us in the New Truth Movement Facebook group and we will see you soon.